NFL gave me a great foundation. It taught me a lot of great things about discipline, focus, hard work. Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. My father was a great example of the foundation, but I had to build it as I go because when I left the NFL, a lot of things I was doing, I had to retrain myself and reprogram myself. And the NFL gave me a great foundation. It taught me a lot of great things about discipline, focus, hard work. But I actually was talking to one of my coaches yesterday and we were discussing and I just kind of realized in the moment yesterday that football also taught me some bad habits I had to break, like aggressiveness, need to impose my will, desire to fight and all that. Mm. So the foundation of being my was persevering, it kind of came through over time. And again, like I said, it really turned on and magnified for me at that point as a custodian when I had to get my life together after that spoiled milk moment to either raise up and go forward or continue just to feel sorry for myself, feel that I was a victim, feel that everybody was trying to take advantage of me and just continue to not be where I wanted to be because I was just going to play victim mode for the entire time. It's one of the things that I'm so good at recognizing in others. The moment I hear the victim mentality, I'm like, ugh, I want to take a shower. It just sounds filthy and I want to wash it off. Yet, I'm also the guy who can lean into it. And somehow that filter doesn't, like, like I don't hear it in me. I hear in everybody else, like, oh, man, listen to that victim mentality, Marcus. We would never do that. But then here I am, like, going, no one's giving me a chance because I'm not tall enough. And I'm like, it's not fair. And other people, I'm stealing almost as many bases as everybody else. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. Like, show me and make me a believer. You know, people, like, if you're out there and you're challenged today, like, I'm telling you, we are only good as you are today. You've got to show them every day. There's a consistency in this workload and you've got to bring your best. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Marcus, I want to hear from you. Like no one would now, I mean, you go, you, you take this hard turn. You're a successful NFL athlete. You, you roll that into a construction business. You're cooking with fire, man. And things are just rolling along. You get, you lose your focus. Right. And, Everything comes down. You're willing to go back to work, which is take the custodial service job. But knowing what now, what, what would you have done differently? What would you have done differently today? Honestly, well, two things. One thing, I would not do anything differently because if I'd done anything differently, I wouldn't be here today. But if I could just wave a wand and then make everything in life perfect and have no ripples, all that, I would have made myself an active listener trying to, not trying to, as somebody that would have listened to his trusted team. If mm. you're listening to this podcast and, you and you're an entrepreneur 
or you work for an organization in which you pay people a salary or a, a, a 1099 contracting consultant fee, whatever the case may be, if you're paying people and you're not taking their advice, you're wasting payroll dollars. That's all you're doing. You're wasting payroll dollars. When you hire someone, it should be full trust and full confidence that they can do the job until they prove they can't. And that was my mistake. My team had proven they could do the job over and over again, but my ego got in the way and it knocked me off course. And as a result of that, I ended up losing my best people. I ended up eventually losing my company and lost everything. So what I would tell people is, is that if I could go back, I would have made myself an active listener and I would have learned that the biggest killer of any business or business owner is their ego. And I would have removed that from my DNA at that time. Or you really can't remove it. I would have kept it under control where it never surfaced to cause ultimate destruction and damage in my business. I love that. I mean, and I, I feel like I hear this too many times and I see it too often, Marcus, in our coaching business, people who have, <laughs> you've gone all these links to get the right team members and all this vast experience. Like I, I want right down in your neighborhood. I want this Duke graduate like, oh, and then, you know, here's a Duke graduate that's got 20 years of experience in their respective field. And then you don't choose to listen to them. Right? Like, it's like crazy. Like, how does that make sense? And I, I'm reminded of my children right? As five kids, I've always had at least one who's like, Hey dad, how about this? That's not okay. And that's not how we would do things as Clark's like, well, Hey uncle Marcus, how about this? No, that's not okay. Well, Hey mom, how about this? Like, Hey, listen, everybody's telling you no until they find that one person goes, well, my, my counselor at school told me it's okay. Listen, 19 people told you no, and you didn't choose to listen to doing the right thing. And I see owners replicating this 12 year old environment. And I'm like, what are we thinking here, man? You, you want the answer that you want that fits my narrative or why I should buy the $250,000 car or whatever we're justifying in our mind, right? Talk to me about what you've seen there. So I've seen people try to keep up with the Joneses. I've seen people try to live a lifestyle for others. I've seen people try to do what they think others in society want them to do. And again, I'm not going to say everybody is like this because it's not true, but they say, I think it's between 85 to 90% of society lives paycheck to paycheck. So when you have that type of mentality and you're living in that type of world, you need to really realize that keeping with the Joneses is not where you need to be. Keep up with yourself, right? And do what you can do and I tell people this all the time, stay within your budget. Whatever mm. your budget is, that's what you need to stay within. Otherwise, you're going to have all sorts of problems. Yeah, I think this is back, this immediate gravi gratification. And I love to keep it simple, right? I mean, I, I think people really attract to like financial peace uh, in that program because Hey man, this it's it's really simple, right? And and I I saw a statistic that currently Americans spend five percent more than they make. <laughs> so like, hey man, how do we how how's that gonna play out? Like we're all just gonna live on credit? Like eventually, 
that's going to run out, right? And that's how people live. Like literally, I remember I used to think like that and I'm smarter than this, but because I was in such a bad financial place, like when we got our first credit card, because my wife had filed a bankruptcy chapter 11, it was just, a, it's like one of the, it's, it's the least severe. Restructure. Yep. Restructure. She had some issues from her first marriage when she got divorced and she did that. And I had to file chapter seven, the complete worst. And I remember when we got our first credit card, I'm like, oh my God, yes, we have an asset. We have $2,200 in a credit card that we can utilize. Yay, we're good. We would charge on, like, oh, let's go to dinner and oh, let's spend $400 here, da, da, da. And then we got the bill. I'm like, wait a second. Like, wow, Marshall, man, this like, you pay $400 for something, but you're paying $450 to the credit card company. So you're spending an extra 50 bucks just to do something that you're delaying the payment for that you don't have the money to afford anyway. So why yeah. are you doing it? So like now we're in a much different financial situation and we have credit cards. I think we have about, I think total, we have one credit card that's for 10 grand, American Express. The one's like 20, so we have 10 grand, 2,200. We've got one for, I wanna say 1,500, 1,750 and $800. So it's like, we have like $15,000 total of credit cards available. Literally, we spend like, if anything, maybe a hundred bucks a month on an Amex to kind of help raise our credit score. That's it. That's all. Or if I use it, I'll spend like, I'll buy a plane ticket to go somewhere for work, like four or 500 bucks. I'll pay it off when I get a check from the job. Bam. There's no yeah. more using it like for extended periods of time. And we have the capital to, to do stuff, but we're trying to build credit. But again, it's smaller amounts. Like back in 2015 or 16, we got our first credit card. $400 was a lot to us. Today, $400 is still a lot, but it's not as comparable as it was in 2015. So I'm trying to make the point to people is live within your means, right? That's the most important thing. Live within your means. And when you do that, that's when you can start to build a legacy. But so many people I feel are trying to buy, like we bought a, bought a nice home. We have a nice new 3,000 square foot home that we're in. We've been, we moved in October. We were renting so long, this phone mm. away because my bankruptcy, my wife's and all that type of stuff. And we couldn't get the right credit score. I didn't have enough assets. So we bought last year, we bought this house for 365 and it's valued now at 500,000. I mean, and like, like that. Yeah. So a quick 150 to, or 160 of equity, bam. But again, we're in no rush to like go somewhere. We're not in a rush to try to refinance. I mean, we, not, we can't do it yet, but if we could refinance and pull the money out and like, you know, spend 50 grand, something we don't need to, like we don't need to do that, right? We're yeah. fine. It's a nice asset to have. We know we have some capital and if we need it, but it's not like, oh, we have a hundred dollars. Oh, let's just go and blow it on something stupid. I mean, you know, something stupid and because at the end of the day, you need to be thinking long-term. Again, live in the moment, have fun. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying don't try to get ahead of yourself or spend what other people have, right? So like if you're trying to live like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, right? You don't see Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk trying to live like other bigwig people. I mean, you don't see that. Like they live with for what they want and what they can do. And that's just the way it is. And so I feel if people continue to kind of keep that model, right, Trent, great things will happen for people. Yeah, I think that when I saw this back in the day, especially in, in MLB, you know, we'd come in, make league minimums like about like 550000 and they'd see the players who were 10-year veterans that were on like $7 million contracts. 
And they and the seven million dollar player is flying some friends in private. We're gonna spend some time in New York, play a you know, long weekend, New York Boston series, and get some cool time to spend friends, maybe maybe get a penthouse suite. Like, hey, listen, you're league minimum, you can't do that. Like, like you can't live like that. Like, you don't have seven million for seven years. Like, this isn't the deal. You're trying to establish yourself. And it's a challenge. And here's a, here's one on the general public that I saw as you talk about this real estate. I had a home out in Arizona when I was in baseball and one of these ramps that we've seen in the last 24 months on real estate, right? Just a flipping rocket ship of equitable value. And Mm -hmm. man, I, all of a sudden I drive into my neighborhood one day, nice little gated community, nothing fancy houses are about a half a million dollars. And when I drive in, all of a sudden, I'm like, new Escalade, new Porsche, new Tesla. I'm like, you know, everybody's grabbing $100,000 equity on their house and going to buy a $100,000 car. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, And of course, like most cyclical worlds here, as we know our markets a little bit, boom, two years later, everyone drops $250,000 in their house value. And all of a sudden, you owe a hundred grand more than you have. You're in the right? negative. Yeah, and you're like going. We're not selling now. (laughs) We're in this thing for a while now because you're tied to the debt, right? So let me spin this a little bit to the thing I really want you to. A couple questions from the audience. You had a lot of success, Marcus. You won a lot. What's the best battle in your life in your lifetime that you've conquered? The battle of actually becoming a keynote speaker that could do and is doing corporate work. Because when I started, it was a big battle internally that I had to face. A lot of self-doubt, avalanche theory based of life and disposition and just being, because there's not a lot of, I'm 6'5 and a half, 6'6", 295 pound, double tattoo sleeve, African-American speakers on the speaker circuit. They're not. I mean, it's probably a Caucasian-based male between the age of 35 to 55 type of field. And I had to face a lot of negativity, a lot of doubt, a lot of no's when I started. And so conquering the battle of actually achieving success and achieving notoriety as a keynote speaker, more than just a sports-based speaker, is something that I've won and I've continued to have to battle. I had to battle for a long time. It's awesome. And, and this is intimate look into the imposter syndrome right here. And we all have it. Like you do, I do. We all have it because I'm sitting here going, Marcus, you're an Adonis. You got a million dollars smile. You're a former NFL player. You've run a successful company doing over a million dollars a year. Like You've done these things that Listen, the fraction of a percentage in this world have ever done, right? Including a four-year university that's fabulous. I could just keep going down the list of all the accomplishments and attributes of Marcus Ogden. So how could Marcus Ogden ever feel like an imposter standing up in front of people telling his story? And it's a comparison. It's the danger of us pitting against what everybody else thinks, which people are always, I tell people, you're going to be shocked when you find out how infrequently they actually think of you. So stop worrying about what they think because they're worried about themselves because we all are, right? Uh-huh. Two is that comparison is a devil, right? It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
What have you learned in that? So I've learned when you try to compare yourself to others, it's never going to be good enough. No matter how much you think you've won or lost, it's never, ever going to get you where you want to be. So don't even try. Mm. Don't even try because it's not going to end well. Just worry about and focus on yourself. And again, I talk about focusing. One of the three keys of the success cycle is hard work, which is focus on yourself, not the competition. Because the competition, they're going to keep moving forward or backwards or side, whatever they do. If you focus on them, you're taking off from your trajectory of moving forward. That is so good. And I tell you, one of the greatest coaches of all time was John Wooden, right? John Wooden, basketball coach of UCLA for a long time, passed about a decade ago at in his 90s, an incredibly mentally strong person. But here's a guy who in all years, who won 10 national championships, right? Nine in a row, never looked at game film on another team. His whole focus was, we're going to practice hard. And if we do what we're supposed to be doing, I don't need to worry about what they're doing, right? And I mean, that mentality alone today, I mean, Marcus, can you imagine that as, as we've played a lot of high level sports here? Can you imagine as a coach walking in going, I don't know who we're playing this Saturday, but let's go out and do our job. <laughs> like, wait, wait, like, are they going to be quick on the outside? Are they got, are they got a passing game or running game? We, we got 19 things we want to talk about right now. But like, wait a minute, we got a job. If we prepared for it, then we're just going to be the best we can be. And I think it's going to fall out okay if we've done our work. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't know that he never looked at any game film of the, of the opponents. But again, when you win 10 national championships, I think you said nine in a row, then obviously it works. So again, you have to focus on what you do well, what you and your strengths are, and that is going to be your saving grace. That's your foundation to build off. And once you get to that trajectory, that's when things in life should get good as long as you stay on track and move forward down the path. You've seen a lot of people and, and you've coached a lot of people too. Man, and I, and I think that that powerful, the comparison, when people talk about you think you're something in the NFL, guess what? Look right next door and there's somebody bigger, stronger, faster, like automatically. There's always somebody better. And if they're not, give it two weeks because someone will be, right? And uh, But when you talk about other folks, I, I love to ask this question. When people look in the mirror, what do you think they're missing about themselves that you can see right away with them? Their biggest strengths. Most people focus on what they need to improve on or their weaknesses. And a lot of times they don't know or don't know clearly what their strengths are. And that is the essence of our coaching. It's to help you figure out what you do well first and then build from there. And once you figure that out, that's when life gets good. And I think when I look about the, and I want you to speak about this too, I'll speak about my experience in professional sports, but one of the things that, and and then I want yours, of course, is is one of the things that a lot of people thought and they would come ask me about like, man, they must really work hard on their weaknesses and shore them up. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. They absolutely lean into the game where their strengths get exploited. And I call it the shampoo treatment, wash, rinse, repeat, man, because like, I'm going to keep doing this. Because I don't think you can stop me. <laughs> and so if I think if the change-up's working, I'm going to keep throwing change-ups and you won't see a fastball all day until you prove you can actually hit that pitch. And I see athletes who are just so good at it. And what they do is they take their strengths and they magnify them so high that they actually cover any weaknesses they may have. And if their weakness starts getting exploited, 
we have team members for that, right? Like, hey, my teammate, I'm getting my weakness exploited. Well, hold on. Here comes Marcus to pick me up because as a teammate, I'm gonna, I'm, my weakness is going to get spoiled in the trench, right? I'm a little guy. I'm a fast guy. Hey, Marcus comes in because the game's going to be played on the inside. But if we got to go to the outside and we need quick cover guy, oh, I'm going to help you. And this is where I'm going to pick up for Marcus, right? Because we can pull on each other's strengths because that's what a good team does. Talk to me about what you've seen in a professional athlete who recognizes his strength. Oh, when a professional athlete recognizes his strength and then delegates to other team members what he doesn't do well so they can build a cohesive plan with an alignment around a shared vision of who is doing what, who is strong at what, who is going to take care of this, who are you going to delegate this and or that to, that's when teams win. Teams win when athletes understand what they do well, when coaches understand what athletes do well and don't do well, and they delegate and build the team around strengths and weaknesses of the players in order to exercise maximum effort times maximum effectiveness to get maximum results. That's so good. Tell me quickly, how did you get developed by fellow coaches, others, leaders you were around, your father, your family? How did you feel like people came alongside and developed you into the man you are today? They developed me by sharing their educational and most importantly, their life experiences, which allowed me to go out there, do my own life, make mistakes, do well, learn from my mistakes, learn what I did well, and to build my life. Because when I know people's educational experiences and background combined with their life experiences and background, and again, it creates maximum effort for me times maximum effectiveness, which is basically effective strategy implementation. And then when you do those things correctly, maximum results should be achieved. So that's how I've learned throughout my 41 years, almost now 42 years. I'll be 42 in November of life. Awesome, Marcus. First of all, Marcus, we got to run here. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Winners Find a Way show. I know our listeners will see the value in this episode today. I enjoyed learning about how you pivoted to leaning back into that accounting accountability responsibility and building up your integrity certainly like learning about the bad habits that somehow formed that i had to be aware of that i had formed some bad habits along the way being the active list and being a great listener listeners are leaders he's hit it again you've probably heard me say it a thousand times but if you haven't marcus just reiterated active listening is one of the most key elements that you're going to have as a leader being aware of the imposter syndrome and the danger of comparison. It's, it's a absolute devil's den and it's never going to serve you. So I'd watch for it. And then of course, when you see we're all focused, so focused on our weaknesses, like dive into your strengths, know what you do well. I just had this conversation this morning with somebody, Marcus, about how important it was that I, I shifted out of basketball, that I was spending a ton of energy and just very average, maybe below average even, to really focus in on my baseball, my tennis, which took me to a whole nother level. And I stopped doing things that just weren't my great strength at five, six, 165 pounds. Right. So great example of life experiences of those people who came around to help educate, help share their stories. You can find those people in in mentors. You can find them all sorts of things in your life. Tell me, I want to finish with this is, is, when you're down, is there somewhere when you've been in that tough spot and we and we have ups and downs during the day, is there a quote or something that you go to 
when things are tough on you? Yeah, one of my favorite quotes by Aristotle, which is very simplistic, but very direct. In times of extreme darkness, focus on the light. And Aristotle said, the light is inside of you and all of the darkness is around you. If you focus on the light, during times of extreme darkness, you can come out on the other side. So again, the quote is, in times of extreme darkness, focus on the light, Aristotle. I love that, man. That's a great quote and always strong, man. Excited. If there is a last thing that I'd love to hear from you is last segment on the best way to win. What's the the one thing? If you had to tell somebody, hey, you got to get out. You got to face it. Best way to win today. What would your advice be to someone? Go out and live your day and pack your day with action. The best leaders are biased towards taking action. If you make a mistake, own it, fix it, move on. But don't let procrastination, paralyzation, or fear hold you back. So go out and pack your day and take action today right away. Love it. That's so good. I love to highlight small business brands. Drink Branders is a company that I got to know recently. Love these cups. I'm always traveling with healthy products and stuff like that. My my wife's great to me. She's making me vegetables and stuff. So I love getting in there and uh, man, they make the best tumblers in the world and they'll they'll do them for anything, any brand, anything and great group out of uh, Traverse City, Michigan. So super impressed with them. Marcus, super impressed with you. Thank you for coming aboard. For everyone, tell them again where they can find you, Marcus. They go to our website, www.marcusmarquesogden.com, and they can connect with us today. Perfect. My handle is Trent M. Clark, leadership and all the social media. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy today's episode. Please continue listening and rating Winners Find a Way. Five stars. I hope we work hard to find 1% stories. Like Marcus Ogden. Thank you so much, Marcus. Have a great afternoon, everybody. We'll see you next time on Winners Find a Way. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories. Loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.